No mai, haere mai. Welcome to the Maxim Institute podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm the communications manager at Maxim Institute. This is our weekly short-form podcast. These podcasts are released in tandem with our weekly column and are a chance for you to hear in-depth from the column's author about some of the thinking that went into producing their final piece. Today we talk to Director of Research and Development Marcus Roberts about his recent column. Marcus, welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you with us. Great to be here, Jason. Thanks. We're talking about your column for Maxim this week, Yes, No, The Right Way to Go. And you've written this column because ACT has promised to pass legislation defining the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi based on the Māori version and then hold a binding referendum on whether uh, or not we should enact that legislation. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've kind of explored... Uh, the whole idea of referendums mm. here. And I guess the thing that struck me is, well, isn't this a simple way to to conduct a democracy? Shouldn't we just have a yes-no vote on everything? Well, Why don't we? <laughs> well, I, so should we? No, I don't think we should. Um, that's my yes-no answer. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the column, as you say, was, was inspired by X policy that may or may not be government policy, we don't know. Mm. Negotiations are still ongoing as we record. Um, But the idea was, well, this is a very controversial topic, Uh, so I started to look at that. But actually, just more generally, the use of referenda are controversial, Mm. or at least have lots of different uh, aspects to it that Mm. we need to think Mm. think through. And as you say, on the surface, they are very appealing. Yeah. Because what, what, what do we live in? A democracy. Yeah. What is a democracy based on? The will of the people. So, if what easier way to find the will of the uh, people than ask them about it? Well, exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, it's not super easy. It does cost quite a few few tens of millions of dollars, but yes. it's it, you're right. You get mm. a question, and then you get to know where the the people sit on it, mm. or at least that, that's what it appears on the surface. Yeah, but there are a few fish hooks or complications around that. Um, one of the first ones is the question itself mm. that is asked in a referendum. Mm that often it is trying to reduce sometimes quite a complex issue into a simple yes or no question, Mm. which has its own problems. Firstly, who gets to decide the question? So there was an issue, or at least an argument, that the reason the last Republican referendum in Australia failed was that it was written in such a way that it uh, that it was more likely to fail. Yes. Um, so you can get a bit uh, tricky with the questions, yeah, like you so can le- ask leading questions. Yes. Yeah. So it was kind of led in that way, like correct. Do you really want X, Y, Z? Well, no, I don't want yeah. that, so I'm going to vote against it. It's yeah. it's the that your classic example of do you want uh, less tax? Yes. Or do you want to pay fewer taxes? Of course. Do you want to pay fewer taxes if that means that your services are, uh, are worse? Yeah, so you might your, get your roads result. don't get repaired yeah. and, uh, and you Hospital have to wait longer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that um, you might get a different result. Mm. So that's the first issue with referenda. The second issue is if we have a result, how does that then get translated into actual government policy? Mm. And so I think a great example of this is the uh, absolute nightmare that the uh, the UK went through after they had the Brexit referendum. Yeah. So it was a simple yes, no. Do you want to, uh, the UK to leave the EU? Yes. 
Yes, we do. Yes, we do. How? Yeah. Well, that's what the <laughs> last few years have been trying to figure out. Yeah. How? Yeah. How do we do that? How mm. do we unwind ourselves? Mm. So the um, implementation of the result is a problem as well. Mm. And to be fair, the Act proposal would get around this by putting forth the legislation and then having a yes-no vote on that legislation. Yeah. So the implementation is very simple. You just put into Pass effect. Pass the legislation, yeah. yeah put into effect that legislation. Mm. Mm. Um, finally, there's the concern that you can get an answer to a simple question, but often there are all sorts of other interrelated issues that aren't on the ballot. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. that you have an have a result that you then haven't thought through or or it hasn't been clear to people what those um, implications would be. Mm. Mm. Um, and so for all those reasons I think there is a we have to be very hesitant about yeah, Putting it's a very blunt, blunt tool exactly. to, to try and accomplish something. Uh, and another thing that you've written in here that's quite interesting is that um, former Prime Minister Jim Bolger mm. said, you've got a quote here from him, referendums are not there for calm and reasonable discussion. Uh, I wonder if he's just getting at the divisive nature of referendums or that yeah. we don't have a culture of reasonable and calm discussion. <laughs> I think that's probably part of it. Yeah. I, I think also part of it is you're unlikely to have a referendum on a non-controversial subject mm, mm. that people are going to have heated discussions because it is a type of issue that leads to heated discussions. Mm. Um, but I think also underlying this this concern of a, a, a car, you know, we, we do want a calm and reasonable discussion, and um, that's true. But if we're worried about divisiveness, I often push back a little bit against this because mm. this concern that, this is divisive, um, mm. this referendum is divisive. Well, is it the fact we're having a referendum is divisive or is it just actually the issue itself yeah. is divisive? And and the division was already there and exactly. now we're just seeing it on, on display. Mm. And if it's important, I would hope that people would get excised enough to have a spirited discussion. Mm. Obviously mm. I don't want um, violence or anything like that. Um, but maybe we just have to accept that that actually, if it's worth debating, yeah, maybe it's worth debating um, in a way that divides us. Yeah. You know, that we're not all going to agree and maybe that's fine. You just yeah. lean into it. And also maybe on the other side of that division comes a new unity and a new way forward together yeah. rather yeah. than it just being, oh, the division and that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the benefits that I think governments have with referendums if they are, if they are sorry, referenda, yes. um, if they are going to um, put in place or they're concerned about an issue that is quite um, tricky or they're not sure how to, to go forward, if you get an answer on a particularly well-crafted referendum, you can then use that as a mandate to put in place mm. a particular policy. Mm. And mm. then I think it is politically harder for a future government of another of the opposition party to then um, overturn it. Because mm. mm. you're not just overturning the last government's policy, you're overturning the... Um, the will of the people as well. The direct will yeah. of the pe yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, there are a couple of types of referenda mm. that are available to us, um, the government initiated and the citizens initiated. Yes. Um, what's the difference between them sure. other than obviously the government initiates one and the citizens initiate the other, but there, there's some legal difference between them? Yeah, so the citizens initiated referendum due to an, a piece of legislation from the 90s which provided a mechanism whereby if you got a 10% uh, of the electoral roll signing a petition to mm. have a 
referendum. So mm. we're talking three, three hundred and something thousand people yeah. signing it. So it's a, a large number yeah. within a certain time frame. Then the government must hold a referendum on that particular issue. Mm. Um, but the other side of it is it's not binding. Yeah. So the government can ignore it, and yeah. they have. Yeah. So prominent examples are in the late nineties we voted. Overwhelmingly, over 80% of us voted to reduce the number of MPs yeah. from 120 to 99. Oh, yeah. Um, astute observers will note that we haven't uh, put that into effect. We, we may have uh, even more than 120 this <laughs> That's year. That's right, 123 <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, and the other one more recently was during the key government, the citizens initiated a referendum on asset sales, mm. which again the government ignored. Mm. So those are citizens initiated referendum. The other one, government initiated, is is simply the government putting to a vote um, whatever they wish. Mm, mm. And they generally are binding because the point of having it is to either give yourself political cover or to figure out what you want. So example of this is the End of Life Choices Act, mm. um, the cannabis referendum, mm. uh, and indeed if it survives the negotiations, the Act's proposed um, referendum on the treaty principles. Mm. Wow, Marcus, lots to think about, lots to consider and lots to discuss going forward. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jason, for having me. If the first victim of war is truth, the first victims of coalition negotiations are controversial policies. Act's policy to hold a referendum on the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi was undoubtedly one of the most contentious of the election. Act had promised to pass legislation defining the principles based upon the Māori version of Tatiriti, and then to hold a binding referendum on whether that legislation should take effect. The same process got the End of Life Choices Act 2019 voted in during 2020. Very strong responses ensued. Labour MP Willie Jackson claimed that many Māori had told him that they'd go to war over it. National Party leader Christopher Luxon labelled the idea divisive and unhelpful. Former Prime Minister Jim Bolger argued that referendums are not there for calm and reasonable discussion. Fair enough. The recent voice vote in Australia was claimed by many to have been divisive. And consider the very close 2016 Brexit referendum. The fractiousness of that plebiscite can be seen in the difficulty the Conservative government had in implementing it during the following years. Just look at the reaction to the return of that referendum's architect to the heart of the British government. But referenda do have intuitive appeal. Our government gains its legitimacy from the collective will of the people. Only it then makes decisions on our behalf. Referenda allow the electorate to make decisions, empowering the people who can be, or appear to be, often neglected. Further, you could argue that a referendum doesn't cause division, it merely lays it bare. Putting important issues to a public vote may indeed be divisive, but it is better than ignoring an issue. Conversely, referenda can be blunt instruments. They often boil down complex issues into relatively simple yes or no questions. Moreover, passing the results is difficult. Was there a no vote because a proposal went too far, or not far enough? Then there's the problem of implementation. This danger is amply demonstrated by the years of wrangling that followed the Brexit referendum. Act's approach of holding a referendum on a specific piece of legislation sought to avoid this outcome. 
Finally, and most intractably, referenda also reveal a fundamental tension at the heart of our democracy. Democracies rest on the belief that the majority's wishes have more legitimacy than those of the minority. However, without strong safeguards for minorities, which the majority cannot override, democracy devolves into mob rule. Call it the tyranny of the majority. These two ideas can be in tension and need to be brought to some balance in each democracy. Putting an issue that has an impact on a minority group to a referendum, such as the principles of the treaty, highlights this conflict. Should the majority's wishes prevail? If not, on what basis should the principles be determined, and by whom? It's no surprise, then, if Act's referendum doesn't survive these negotiations. However, the appeal of referenda will continue. They are just too intuitively appealing to stay dead for long. Thanks for listening to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim, Mate wa, goodbye for now.